What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Another week home cooking for the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Home cooking uh, for you as well, Johnny Mac. Back to practice, uh, the team goes, uh, and it all begins. Boy, if you're listening to Philadelphia Sports Radio since the game ended on Monday night and you consumed uh, content uh, from the fan base on Tuesday into Wednesday, the wheels are coming off the wagon. Uh, Johnny Mac, bring some, uh, bring some, uh, some respectability to that statement. Is that even real? Is it an overreaction? Uh, what's your initial thoughts since you had a chance to digest Monday night? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an overreaction, same as week one, where I think you saw the fan base get really, really excited about a win over a bad football team. A, a, a good win, though, uh, and a good win for a rookie head coach who outcoached another rookie head coach and got a little bit more difficult in week two. And probably if, if Nick Sirianni has a little bit more experience, they probably find a way to win that football game, but they didn't. But they were certainly in it. Then week three, you have the other extreme from week one. You have the blowout. You have the first blowout, obviously, against uh, a division rival, the biggest rival of the Eagles. And you have the the doomsayers now, the, the other extreme. So it's not as bad as – they think it is. It wasn't as good as the pie in the sky people thought in week one. Uh, and it's going to be really difficult moving forward for the next few weeks if you think about the Kansas City Chiefs who come in here probably pretty angry. This was a team talking about going 17-0 and potentially, and they've already lost two games. But they still have the great quarterback. They still have the dominating tight end, the great receiver. And, oh, by the way, the great head coach and Andy Reid coming back to Philadelphia. Um, tough matchup, even though it is at home. Um, this one's going to be tough for him. Tampa Bay probably on Thursday night uh, in, a, in a few weeks down the road is going to be a really tough one. And in between you have Carolina, which is a much better team than most people expected. But they've had a pretty weak schedule early on. Eagles got to find a way to win one of those three games. You pick which one. They got to find a way to win one. I think if they lose all three, then the sky starts to fall. Johnny Mack, I know you'll remember because you were a big part of it. If you go back to our 2021 
schedule release three hour marathon uh, here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, we took a lot, we took a slice of the schedule, the very first six games. And I think if I went back and pulled a synopsis or a summary from all of the different participants on that broadcast that night, the expectation was not very high in the first six weeks. So I'm wondering if we knew that then, and that's what we expected it to be, why are we so crazy about it playing out in front of us, meaning, okay, they're one and two. Uh, and as you said, and I think you could have per perhaps make a case for it, they did have a chance to beat a better football team, and that is the San Francisco 49ers. Now, they didn't win the game, but despite everything, they still were in a position, I think, had things fall in their way to win that game. The Dallas game, not so much, but the 49ers, again. But regardless, they're one and two. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely the San Francisco game. I think they felt coming out of that the Eagles as a team thought they beat themselves. I kind of agree with that. Uh, and if they did find a way to win that football game, obviously we're talking about a two and one team. And while the game could have went the same way, could have been a blowout, I don't think you have as many uh, disappointed fans as you do now. Uh, at one and two because you weren't able to get over the hump uh, against the 49ers. So I think what's changed between now and the uh, release show, the schedule release show you were talking about, Joe, was week one, Atlanta. Um, 32 to six, dominating performance. Everybody looked great. Nick Sirianni looked like a, a wonderkin who – was born to be a head coach in the NFL. Jalen Hurts looked like the long-term answer at quarterback. You know, I tried to warn people, uh, slow it down a little bit. Let's see when the when the better competition starts, uh, how this team prepares, how this team looks. Didn't look good uh, in North Texas on, on Monday night, to say the least. I mean, a 41 to 21 score, and it probably wasn't that close, to be honest. I mean, you know, I think Dak Prescott got in on that sneak and it, it went the Eagles' way. Um, you, you, you saw the, the strip sack and the fumble. Uh, the Eagles scored a defensive touchdown. The offense was bad. And the play calling was bad. The quarterback was bad. The head coach was bad. But it's a rookie head coach and a quarterback who has seven starts. I think the people who thought this was going to be um, just a, a party of a season after week one were being, were being silly, to be honest. John, was the, um, <clears throat> was the play calling of the head coach bad because Nick was outcoached? bad because he was overmatched in terms of what was happening in real time or bad because he was not able to adjust on the fly. It's one thing to go in with the plan. It's another to be able to react once the conditions start playing out in front of you. What, what's your thought on that? 
Yeah, I think the latter. I should have said that better. I, I don't necessarily, because I say this all the time, people don't judge play calling. They judge play results. So it's usually about execution. But when you call so many RPOs, as the Eagles do, I mean, it's a very simplified offense. Um, you're not executing what you're supposed to execute. And at that point, you probably have to adjust a little bit uh, in, in a quicker fashion than Nick Sirianni did, you know, but maybe he's got some limitations. We, you know, Jordan Mailata uh, out at left tackle, uh, although Andre Dillard performed pretty well, to be honest. Um, uh, Brandon Brooks out at, at right guard. Landon Dickerson has struggled early uh, in his NFL career. Now they lose Isaac Samalo on the offensive line. The receivers, man, it seems like we, we never stop talking about the receivers. This team can't get receivers. No matter what they do, it's been this way for years now. It, it, we thought it was going to change at least a little bit. Devontae Smith looked good in week one. He's been a microcosm of this early Eagles season. Looked good week one, looked bad week two, looked worse week three. Jalen Rager, just not getting it. Um, Quez Watkins has been the Eagles' best receiver. And while Quez is a nice story, you can't have Quez Watkins be your best receiver if you're an NFL team. I mean, that can't, that's not a recipe for success. Um, so a lot of it is personnel related. Uh, the Eagles don't have the horses now, but I will say this, Joe, this was my biggest concern, uh, about the Dallas game. It had nothing to do with what went on on the field. Nick Sirianni explained he knew Dallas was going to score points. I, we all knew that they, they have an explosive offense. And he thought he had to outscore him. He thought he had to keep pace with them. I, I, I'm very worried about that because that's not the path that he should be taking. He can't outscore Dallas. He can't outscore Kansas City. He can't outscore Tampa Bay. He doesn't have the explosive weapons right now that they have. So you got to find other ways. You, you have to maybe run the football a little bit more than you want to. In my mind, you have to keep the football away from Dak Prescott. You have to keep the football away from Patrick Mahomes. Keep the football away from Tom Brady as much as possible. How do you do that? The offense has got to help the defense. Nick Sirianni didn't seem to understand that against the Cowboys. I hope he understands it this week because if he tries to outscore the Kansas City Chiefs, the Eagles might as well not show up. That ain't happening. They got to find a different way, a different path. Football 24-7 across the Jacob Media YouTube channel with NFL insider John McMullen. John is – help me understand the dynamic of how it works. Is Shane Steichen saying anything in the headset? Like, like, like yo, coach – we got to run the ball. We got we got to do something. Does is he saying anything like that, or is this all, you know, Nick Sirianni? You know, you've said this many times. Being a head coach 
and managing all phases of the game mean you're responsible for managing all phases. Now, with that responsibility comes the ability to be able to utilize or reference or take insight from your coordinators, I would think. Yeah, you know, the running attack, I think, is built in. Nick's explained this today. When you call an RPO, it's a run-pass option. So that means they consider that a run call. Uh, they consider that they're calling a running play. Now, if Jalen Hurts reads the run-pass option and says it's got to turn into a pass, it turns into a pass. So I, I, I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding about this offense in general. I think when people talk about the running game, they think about just the quarterback getting under center, handing the football off, old-school football. The Eagles don't do that. That's not what this offense is about. However, when you're not converting third downs and you're not staying on the field and you're only running whatever it was, I think it was 16 or 18 plays in the first half, at that point somebody – has got to get Nick Sirianni's ear and say, look, Nick, maybe we want to, maybe we want to go under center and run the football in the traditional fashion to sort of calm things down. I think that's a legitimate uh, path or excuse uh, or explanation as to what they should do. And one of the things they ran 18 plays, I was just looking it up, 18 plays in the first half total. 18 plays. That's it. They couldn't convert. They were 0 of 4 on third downs. Didn't convert one the entire half. Um, that's where they lost the football game. You know, when you when you have a gassed defense and the Cowboys were running all over the Eagles, 261 total yards to 121 in that first half, uh, 118 yards rushing for the Cowboys in the first half. They were just gassed, the defense. So the offense has to help the defense. How do they help the defense? They got to convert a third down. They got to keep the football. They got to take some some of that time of possession away from the Cowboys. They weren't able to do it. I said one of the things that concerned me about this coaching staff was the lack of a veteran sounding board, somebody who had done it before, somebody who had been a head coach before. They don't have that. Closest they have is Jim Bob Cooter, who's a consultant. They brought in Mike McCoy to watch practice for a couple of days. They need somebody in the building. They need somebody in the building with some gravitas, with some cachet, who can say, Nick, Nick, slow this down. I know what you want to do. But, you know, he likes to use the Eagles won round one. They lost round two. They lost round three. He likes to use the boxing analogies. Well, the plan is great until you get punched in the face, like Mike Tyson used to say. And when he gets punched in the face, Nick Sirianni hasn't reacted well. He's only reacted well when he's punching people in the face, the Atlanta Falcons. When he's getting hit, it's not good. The adjustments aren't there. And and that's my biggest concern over the first three weeks. And, John, just to add and get clarity on that, the those needed adjustments 
which are happening in real time. You don't plan for adjustments, right? You, 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 maybe you know they're there or maybe they're on the play sheet or maybe you've rehearsed them or gone through them or talked about them on the chalkboard. But in real time, those adjustments need to happen. They need to fire based on, based on what's happening. And is that Nick 100% of the time doing that? Or is he in conversation with his coordinators to try and collectively come up with what to do. I'm just trying to understand it. Well, he says everything is collaborative, but he's very hands-on. He's in all the meetings. Uh, he, he does the game planning. He doesn't, for instance, Doug Peterson would hand out parts of the game plan. Uh, you know, Mike Grove might get third downs. Uh, you know, Rick Scangarello got uh, hurry up offense. Um, you know, Deuce Staley and Jeff Stoutland were in charge of the running game. Um, and then everybody would give their thoughts uh, to the offensive coordinator, whether it was Frank Reich at first, then it was Mike Rowe. Uh, they filter it through the coordinator, and Doug would put together the game plan. I asked Nick that specifically. He does not hand parts of the game plan out to his assistant coaches. He puts it all together with the help of others. Now he says it's still collaborative. That sounds like a lot of work for a guy who's got to be the head coach, a guy who's got to manage the game. As I said, uh, maybe there's a little bit too much on his plate. I I've said that before. Maybe he's got to give people a little bit more uh, autonomy. Uh, he's got to hand out some of this work. Uh, maybe that's a better way to go. That's the kind of stuff rookie coaches learn as they go. Um, and hopefully he'll make adjustments from that standpoint as well. Now, I think you saw it from Arthur Smith in game one. When you say, where are the adjustments? The adjustments are on that play call sheet. It's all about your preparation for the game. You, you have to have things ready to go, ready to fire. In, in any situation, you don't want to come up with things on the fly on the sidelines. Uh, then you're just talking about luck. So it's always about preparation. But um, with 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 what the Eagles have been doing offensively, it looks very similar to what Arthur Smith went through week one against the Eagles. And if you remember, the Falcons went right down the field had a lot of success throwing the football to Calvin Ridley. Then they forgot about him. Then they forgot about him because they got punched in the face. And all of a sudden they're behind. And I think the head coach panicked. The Eagles were coasting along before the fourth and, and three Philly unspecial. They were dominating the 49ers, dominating that football game. Then you had the failed play call. The momentum shifts. The 49ers go on a 97-yard drive. They take the lead for the first time. Nick Sirianni's looking at adversity, and he didn't handle it well. And then Monday night, they just got trounced, and he didn't handle it well. You, 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 you know, sometimes you just get outplayed. I don't think the Eagles are winning that football game if Nick Sirianni had had a well-coached night, 
I still don't think they're winning the football game. But he could have slowed it down a little bit. He could have kept him in the game a little bit longer. Um, ultimately, I think the, the Cowboys had too much of a personnel advantage offensively. Um, but he didn't do a good job slowing it down. And, we're, you know, it's on to Kansas City. Now he's got to figure out how to do it against a better, if anything, offensive team. One last thing on the head coach, and I'm sorry that I got <laughs> lost in the weeds on the conversation, but it's great dialogue and insight from NFL insider John McMullen. Um, in terms of um, Nick, uh, in terms of Sirianni, do you feel that he is in over his head and then more importantly – do you feel as though, and maybe it's too early, that perhaps some of the players on the roster at some point might start questioning what's going on here? Like, this isn't right. I mean, I don't even know if that's a fair question to ask. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Nick. I just know if a veteran player's out there and he's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Something's wrong. We need to do something. I mean, they play the game for a living. They, they can sense it. No, they do. And I think, you know, Miles Sanders just talked uh, to us a little while ago. And I'm trying to pull up the quote. I put it on 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 my uh, uh, on my Twitter page. And he was very respectful to the head coach um, and, and the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who who makes all these reads on the RPOs. But he did also say. I do believe to have a successful offense, you need to run the ball. So he did say that. Um, look, if it's not happening with the RPOs, if if the Cowboys or anybody else are taking it away, there is no law. There, It is not an indictable offense to say, Jalen, go under center and hand the football off in a traditional fashion or even from the shotgun. Have an offset shotgun look, hand the ball off from there in a traditional fashion. Nick Sirianni should have done that at some point. Maybe it doesn't work. So it's always about execution. They don't practice it, so maybe it won't work. Um. Nonetheless, there is nothing preventing you from doing that. So when you look at halftime again, and remember, Mike McCarthy gave you a break with some poor time management at the end of that half, and you got the football coming out for the third quarter, and you had a chance to get back as bad as it was in that first half. You had a chance to get back in that football game by taking it down and scoring with your first drive, and obviously the pick six happened, pretty much the game's over. Um, but from Nick Sirianni's standpoint, too slavishly devoted to, you know, his, his scheme, his game plan, it's not working. Go in there at halftime and say, you know what? We got to calm this thing down. We gotta we gotta put something in the Cowboys' heads defensively that we might do this. 
And if Jalen Hurts is going to pull it every time and not give it to the running back, give it to the running back. Don't give him an option. It's a run-pass option, right? Don't give him the option. Say, no, we're running the football. Because he's a young quarterback. Maybe it's in his mind. He sees the game getting away. Jalen Hurts is a playmaker. What do you want to do? You want to go out and make plays. Take the option out of the quarterback's hands and just tell him what to do. Football 24-7 across the Jacob Media YouTube channel with NFL insider John McMullen. Eagles back at practice looking ahead as Andy Reid uh, comes into Philadelphia with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, more on that in a moment. Uh, quick pause for a timeout. Stateside Vodka is our presenting partner of Football 24-7. A lot of people are going to statesidevodka.com. They're using that keyword, Jacob. They're getting 15% off of a one-liter bottle, and they're getting it delivered right to their door if they live in Pennsylvania. Go to statesidevodka.com, get 15% off of a one-liter bottle. Perhaps the spike in stateside vodka was on Tuesday morning after the Monday night game. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not so sure. Um, anyway, I um, I digress. Let's ask, let me talk about Jalen Hurts, and then we'll get into um, – Kansas City a little bit before we run out of time here. Uh, from what you saw live and then after the fact, which is when you really get a chance to understand what you see seen out there, was Jay, did Jalen get to the point in the game where it was one look and then run? Or was he going through... I guess what would be considered normal progressions committed to the pass and looking for the open receiver. Well, number one, I don't think the Eagles offense is built on a traditional progression. I, I do think there's kind of a misunderstanding among a lot of fans. And that's why I say it's very RPO based offense. It's very, um, for a lack of a better term, college offense, um, there's not a lot, if you want to think about, you know, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady sitting in the pocket going from one to two to three to four, that doesn't exist in this offense. Um, it's generally going to be one, two, go um, for Jalen Hurts. A lot of one reads, a lot of design one reads, um, and if there isn't one read, there's two reads. So I think it's kind of baked in that that's not a problem because that's not what this offense is designed to do. Um, if he does get to a different receiver than the play is designed for, um, it's got more to do with off-schedule offense. Uh, in other words, just breaking out of the pocket and making a play on his own. Um, but yeah, if you're talking about progressions, that's just not what this offense is, is built on and designed to do. Um, and maybe that changes if they had a different style quarterback, if Joe Flacco was in there, uh, it probably changes. And that was one of the strengths of Indianapolis 
uh, when they went from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers, they had three different offenses playing up to the strengths of the quarterback. The quarterback um, doesn't have that ability uh, to do that, so they don't ask him to do that at this stage. Perhaps they should. I'm not sure. Football 24-7 with NFL insider John McMullen. Andy Reid comes in. It'll be so great to see Andy come into Philadelphia. I imagine 45,000 of the 66,000 people, perhaps 50,000 people, uh, will give Andy a cheer, um, you know, when he comes into the field. I certainly hope that they do. I Uh, hope so. I do, too. Well-deserved. Should get it. I'm not sure he'll get it from everybody. Um, But anyway, uh, Andy Reid. I think his first year as head coach of this football team was a year that he only recorded one win in his first year. Uh, no, the Eagles won. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Andy, Not many. Not uh, many I think right? they won five, uh, but I'll look it up real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was – it was a struggle. Remember, Doug Peterson was the starting quarterback, um, and obviously, Doug. Uh, yeah, they were five and eleven. Five and eleven. And and Andy's uh, first year, his second worst coaching years. Worst was his last season, uh, where they only won four games. Um, in between, let's see: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten win seasons. At least ten wins, double digit wins. Of course, you had all the championship games, five different championship games, um, made one Super Bowl, obviously, nine playoff appearances, 140 wins, including 10 playoff wins in that category. And it's interesting uh, because if he wins Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field, that will be his 100th win with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so with two franchises, this guy will have won over a hundred games, which is pretty amazing. Um, and obviously his, his success, you know, it's interesting and I'm not criticizing the Eagles because Andy, everybody has a shelf life and Andy's shelf life was probably up in Philadelphia. I agree. Um, but I got to tell you, he goes to Kansas city in 2013 the Chiefs were coming off a 2-14 and 14 season. 2013, they won 11 games. They went to the playoffs in his first year. His worst season was a second season in Kansas City. He won nine games. So he was still over 500. Since then, 11, 12, 10, 12, 12, 14. Seven playoff wins. Uh, this is one of the best coaches of all time. Of all time. Th- this is a top ten coach, whether people recognize that or not. Uh, his resume is unbelievable. Um, but if you go back to 1999, Andy Reid was a lot like Nick Sirianni. The casual fan didn't know him. Um Many thought he was skipping steps to become a head coach uh, coming from Green Bay. Um, And he turned out to be one of the best coaches of all time. 
is lightning going to strike twice? I probably not, but you never know. And as you said, he only won five games uh, his first season. Um, and then the train was off and running. So I wouldn't give up on Nick Sirianni just yet. Um, he's probably not going to be Andy Reid, but very few people in the history of this game can be Andy Reid. Um, and think about this, Joe. Since he left here in 2012, the Eagles have had four different coaches already. Four. People forget Pat Shermer was the interim coach after Chip Kelly got fired. And he's won 100 games in Kansas City in a Super Bowl. He's been to two Super Bowls. Boy, if you let it, if you let it, you know, simmer down like the Steelers did with Bill Cower. There were a lot of people in Pittsburgh who said, you got to fire Bill Cower. Can't win the big one. Can't win the big one. And the Steelers, of course, probably the NFL team most known for continuity said, no, we're, this guy's a great coach. We're not going to get a better coach. And they stuck it out and they won the Super Bowl. Would have been interesting to see if the Eagles stuck it out. Interesting to see Andy Reid on one side, on one side and Nick Sirianni uh, on the other, adjusting to what happens in front of him on the fly, in real fire. Well, it's only 239 wins, NFL wins versus one. <laughs> <laughs> Great way uh, to put it. Uh, Johnny Mack, before uh, we're running out of time here, before we go, we didn't get too much into it. We'll deal with it all tomorrow on Football 24-7 uh, with John McMullen. Uh, highlights from today. We didn't really get a chance to talk about what happened today. Any roster moves, anything specific that we need to get out to the audience? Um, Suo Pata got uh, nothing big. He got uh, elevated to the 53-man roster, obviously, with some of the uh, injury issues. Um, Eagles signed a, a couple players to the practice squad. Um, uh, Cameron Malbo, a defensive end, he had worked out with him, I mentioned on the show last week. They brought Casey Tucker back, so they're on the practice squad. Uh, from practice... <clears throat> they scaled back to a walkthrough, so they didn't have a full practice. But so the injury report was only an estimation uh, because uh, that's what you do when you have walkthroughs. And Rodney McLeod, for the first time, was listed as a full participant. So that would mean he's probably on track to make his season debut Sunday against Kansas City, and that's big because Kayvon Wallace is now on injured reserve with that separated shoulder. And Marcus Epps, by the way, uh, was listed as limited with his own shoulder industry, I injury. So they need uh, Rodney McLeod back, and it looks like he's going to be back this week. And just uh, any <clears throat> reason why they – switch to a walkthrough or was it scheduled to be a walkthrough? Maybe it was. No, it wasn't scheduled to be a walkthrough. So they scaled it back just a short week. They didn't get back to five in the morning uh, after the game. Uh, they're just trying to keep the players legs ready uh, for Sunday as best as possible. We've talked about this all year. I mean, that's just their philosophy. It's um, not working, John. You started three games ago. You had the, <clears throat> you had the, if arguably the top, the best offensive line in the league or one of the best, 
top five offensive lines. Now you're down three of the five aren't even going to, aren't even playing. Can't so legislate injuries. I say it all the time. All the time. And you, and, and you are right. Now, just um, but I will say that that is an organizational decision. So people want to rain down on, on Nick Sirianni. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame that on him. Right. Good stuff tonight from uh, John McMullen on football 24 seven across the Jacob media, YouTube channel. Uh, Jeff Kerr, I believe is in for you tomorrow on birds, three sixty-five. You'll check in from South Philadelphia and then is it focus Friday? So another walk through Friday and then the game on Sunday, right? Focus Friday. Yeah. Game on Sunday. Uh, they'll probably practice in a more, uh, real fashion, tomorrow although who knows they don't want to show us who the starting offensive line is going to be i asked nick that today specifically he thinks he he has a competitive advantage i don't know why (laughs) but he doesn't want to reveal his starting offensive line so they might walk through again tomorrow just so they don't have to show us who's going to start on the offensive line well we'll see what happens That's going to do it tonight for our edition of Football 24-7 with NFL insider uh, John McMullen. Don't forget Eagles report uh, blasting out on Philly Mag. We're so excited about it, Johnny Mac, and a lot of buzz and juice around it. It's just starting to boil. The water's just starting to boil in the pot, Uh, but well done. Great job by you on that. And, of course, John McMullen all presented by Stateside Vodka. Get 15% off by using the key phrase, Jacob. Do it before the game this week. (laughs) Got to have it ready. Got to have it ready. You got to have it ready for Sunday. Johnny Mack, appreciate you, man. We'll see you uh, or we'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, And we thank everybody for uh, tuning in on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. On behalf of John McMullen and, of course, on behalf of Xander Krause, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.